Welcome to Chuck and Anthony Ragnatalk, the prestige format miniseries covering the greatest movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Thor Ragnarok. I'm Anthony Carboni, sitting across the internet from just a just a vulgar, terrible man who can't keep his politics out of comic books, Mr. Chuck <laughs> Wendig. Filthy, filthy hobbits is I am. Ugh, I'll, yeah. I'll tell you what, Chuck. I yeah. you know this is uh, this is a podcast that is entirely about Thor Ragnarok and only entirely Ragnarok. only and never we don't stray. We don't stray, uh, no. but I and and obviously by the time this episode comes out, this what we're talking about happened a couple weeks ago. But I do want to say, yeah, uh, as a friend and as legitimately as as a fan of your work and as somebody who shares a lot of the same personal and political stances and values that you do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I am legally unable to comment on your situation <laughs> as an employee of the Disney Corporation. Yes, and of course. I mean that yeah. from the bottom of from my the heart, bottom, Chuck. the deepest well of sincerity. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I do hear the faint hum of a lightsaber behind you, so I don't want you to lose your head in this. Yeah, yeah. That would be a problem, a corporate lightsaber. That's uh, and I'm not even saying that a lightsaber that the that the division of the Disney Corporation that has lightsabers is even involved. I'm saying no, nothing. No, no, no. At all. And I'm yeah, moving on. And moving on. I love uh, you too, Anthony. I'm still going through this fucking box of delivery smoothies that I got. Oh, yep. Yep. Are they deli- what kind of smoothie are you rocking this morning, Anthony? This one is uh it's just apple and cucumber and celery and spinach. All the all the green ones. All the green ones. Oh, does it taste green? Is it, it tastes one of those? Yeah. so green and healthy and so lawn clippings. There's just something about uh, fucking antioxidants or I don't know, yeah, man. It's just, it's churning through your body right now. I don't know. I get re- I get real tired, Chuck. <laughs> I it's get pro- real- <laughs> yeah, you're, you're drinking lawn clippings as it turns out. You're not a, a deer. I'm you're not, not a, a deer. tailed deer. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, generally in my life, I get real tired. And when I get real tired, I just, I, I impulse buy things. I don't yep. know what you do when you're tired, but sure. Sure. I, I just impulse buy shit. And I saw this ad for this, this company that delivers these like cups of pre-mixed like smoothies and oatmeals and things to your house. Sure. sure. And they're like freeze dried. And I was like, yes. I need, I need that. Cause breakfast. Cause breakfast. I don't do that. I now do, you do that. I do breakfast, but for some reason I, I was tired and I decided I did breakfast wrong. Yeah, right. So you, now you're doing it right. Quote unquote. Right. I'm like four cups into this 24 cup flash frozen fucking. Nice. I don't want to make smoothies at home, no, Chuck. No, it's just all pre-chewed. That's all that that is. That's just pre-chewed fruits no. and vegetables. It's not good. Mm, it tastes like a 16-year-old's part-time summer job. You know, I like that like, smoothie ingredients can be like fucking weird now. Like you go to like some like really fancier smoothie places and it's like spirulina. Yeah. And, like activated charcoal. Yo, one of these, dude, the activated charcoal thing. That's bad for you, by the way. That's it's super, you can't super drink you can't, charcoal. <laughs> don't, okay, don't, people listening, don't fucking drink charcoal. Don't fucking drink charcoal. Anything you use to start a barbecue yeah, should well, not be uh, used. No, no. It likes, it like wicks away any medications you have in your body currently. It, so, Tara, it's a bad idea. It and wicks it's charcoal. Away, it wicks away literally anything inside of you because yeah. it's charcoal. It's charcoal. Jesus it's what, Christ. It's, it's charcoal. It's one of those things where like I I I spent a few years as as a science reporter for Discovery and one of the things that really bugged me the most is not like even the idea of pseudoscience, which pseudoscience is at least people have read things and decided to deliberately misinterpret them. Sure. Um it's this sort of thing where people hear a cute bite-sized science fact about something mm-hmm. and interpret it entirely wrong because they don't <laughs> understand the subtext. No. Or, so somebody heard somewhere that charcoal is nature's filter, right? Yep. Yeah. They heard something about the water and the earth filtering through charcoal, and they so were they like- put in their bodies. Get oh, it in my body now. I need nature's filter. Yeah. I'll eat it. I'll yep. fucking eat a rock. I'll fucking eat this rock. And I then it Instagram makes it awesome because you have like, you know, jet obsidian black ice cream. You're like, look at my cool ice cream. Like, I that's mean, gonna I do want to eat that black. ice. Any food that's black, I, I do want to eat. I know. 
like uh, my buddy went to Japan a couple years ago and had the all black cheeseburger. Oh yeah, is that is that charcoal or is it like squid ink? It's squid ink. Yeah, okay. And like black sesame and other things. Sure. Because they don't eat fucking rocks over there because yeah. they're not stupid. <laughs> don't eat charcoal, people. Don't eat charcoal. You can eat enamel pins. That's a little different. Of course crush, you can eat enamel pins. Crush the shit out of those. You can and snort enjoy. them and eat them, and I recommend it, and it feels so good, and it feels still, powerful. Still feels good. Uh, but I'm taking it day by day. Yeah. Uh, this is a podcast entirely about Thor Ragnarok. Only, only about it. Um, and this is an episode that I've been looking forward to, and I think a lot of people have been looking forward to. I say this every time, but it's the best introduction. The best introduction mm. to a character and and maybe one of the most interesting and different characters in the Marvel Universe thus far. Yes, yes. Uh, We will get to him in just a moment, but we mm-hmm. are starting out in the audience chamber of the Grandmaster. Uh-huh. Uh, Thor and Loki have been reunited. Brothers. Brothers. They're so sweet. And of course, Loki... Landed on his feet, somehow talked his way up into... Weeks ago. Weeks ago. Weeks ago. He's just been here. He's just been in favor with the Grandmaster and everybody on Sakaar for a little while. Um, and they're whispering back and forth, like, I didn't get a chair. I landed in this chair. My power's gone. I got this thing on my neck. Uh, and anyway, Grandmaster pops right in and goes... <laughs> pops up. Just boop. He's there the whole time. What are we, uh, what are we whispering about? <laughs> Can I just say that that's how I I want to be introduced to Jeff Goldblum? Like I want to be talking about something, and then he's just there wondering what I'm talking about. God, yeah, right. Yeah, and there's something about his his smiley, smarmy, cutesy delivery. Yeah. He does a really good job of. There is a sinister quality to the Grandmaster, but you love it. But you love him and you're just like, oh, maybe he is just being friendly. And that whole like, what are you whispering about is kind of like done with a smile in like a seventh grade sort of yeah. way. Like, are like, you talking your, about I'm me? I'm your friend too. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. You got it. Somebody got a crush. What's up? What are we talking about, fellas? What's up, girlfriends? Um, but he definitely, definitely will kill either of them in a moment. Yeah. Minutes. Yeah. Just he'll turn them into goo and step in them. Uh, one of my things that I love about this is the... Uh, is the explanations of some of the impossible things going on in Sakaar in this yeah. in this chunk is very good. Time works real different around these parts. If I were anywhere else, I'd be millions of years <laughs> millions old. Millions of years here, old. Yeah. Just and then he, he just makes that like, mm, like it's just that he's blooming like a little smug flower. Yeah, like how old am I? I'll never tell. Yeah. Uh, but I do love this. This This shows two of my favorite things about Ragnarok. Number one is... Don't waste your time explaining how things work. No, because it's not, it's not important. It's not important, and the more you explain it, the more holes people find it in any way. Yeah. So yep. let them just say, oh, so time works differently on Sakaar. That doesn't make a lot of sense, but I guess we're moving on. Yeah, it, it, you know, in this podcast where we discuss only Thor Ragnarok. Only uh, Thor Ragnarok. Only forever. I do think that this is one of the uh, dangers of the sort of Star Wars need to prequelize kind of every component of it to just be like, we're going to, you know, the jacket gets an origin and the shoes, there's an origin of a belt. And it's like, as you kind of go through those things, you're just like, it was much better when it was just this random one-off line that we can discuss endlessly forever and ever. And then the moment you, and it's true, just, you know, as, as a writer, anytime you write books and you feel like you're kind of falling into that deep well of needing to exposit heavily about something you do you create actually more problems for yourself than solutions sometimes it's just like the shit's blue because it's blue i don't know yeah go with it it's blue it's blue it's fine fuck Um, off it's blue i don't know i don't know but that's that's one of the things that uh dc comics comes up against seemingly every five years yeah is they they hit like a hard emergency reset button yep on dc comics and then when they restart things people are like oh this isn't the way we liked it Right. Where are all the things we liked? And then they yeah. rush to find a way to reintroduce all of these things and explain all of these yep. things. Reinvigorating the same thing. And then they find themselves trapped in the same alley. Yeah, which is, oh no, <laughs> yeah. we've overexplained everything. Yeah. Oh uh, God. Time to is, kill Bruce's parents again. And again and again and again in front again of him again. over and over and over. Yeah. We're not sadistic. You're sadistic for reading it over and over and over. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I do. I do think there is 
there's something nice about head cannons and there's something nice about leaving things to uh, people's imaginations. And there's also just something to, hey, no way we explain this is going to be, uh, is going to work for you. It's yeah. not going, it's not going to make you happy. So fuck you. <laughs> fuck you. Fuck We're, you. There's an, there's an apocryphal thing. I don't know if you know the uh, Betty Crocker uh, story. You know, Betty Crocker obviously introduced in the, whatever, the fifties and uh, created these boxed dinners that yeah. you could just. And plonk, she's real. She's a real person. She's a human and she visits me every day. Yeah. And uh, my she mom brings said, you your smoothies, right? I mean, my mom yeah. said that because she couldn't cook or be there for me, but Betty Crocker always would. Betty Crocker always would, and, and she's so, like, which is weird because Betty Crocker for me is sort of an eyeless lady with a, a jaw of many fangs, but that's fine. That's, that's fine. And she enjoys brownies. Yeah, brownies. We'll go. The with eyeless that. woman with many. The fangs. The eyeless woman with many fangs loves loves brownies. No, but so she, you know, obviously the the box dinners you would just plunk it into a pot and like. Boop, you just have dinner. Mm-hmm. Uh, and people didn't like that, and they didn't buy that. And I don't know you know, what exactly got them to the conclusion they got to, but they decided to add a step between plunk into pot and you have dinner. And that step was like, add something, like add an egg. And then people went crazy for it because they wanted to do just a little bit of work. Okay. Uh, and narratively, I, I think there's a, a tiny lesson there that there's value in letting the readers want to be, uh, they want to contribute to the narrative, uh, even in their own heads and just sort of be present in it and think about things. Mystery novels are great for that. Like always trying to figure out the mystery, who did what, who killed who. Yeah. I think nonsense there. Yeah. That, that kind of reminds me of the, um, of when they were making dragon slayer. One of the lessons that I took from dragon slayer when they were talking about the making of it is like, well, there are reasons why we don't show the dragon that are practical. Yeah. But the biggest reason we don't show the dragon is the dragon is scarier in your head. Yeah, Jaws. Jaws yeah. is a great lesson. They like fucked up the shark and couldn't get him to work right, and it turned out to be a much better movie as a result. Yeah, tie a buoy to the thing and yeah, right. make it move around, and yep. that's scarier because like, holy shit, what's moving that buoy around that exactly that quickly that big? Yeah. yeah, I I do I do kind of like the idea of leaving things to people's imaginations, especially yeah. when like there is no science that explains the time on Sakar. So no. let, it, let go it go and let, let it, it be magic. Awesome. Um, so it's like, Hey, do you guys know each other? Uh, do you know the Lord of thunder? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know. Uh, God of thunder. Yeah. Um, it's like, no, uh, he's my, no, I don't. He's my brother. I've never met him. I've never met him. him. He's my brother. He's my brother. Well adopted. (laughs) Um, but I do like, I do like the, uh, the cutesy attitude that the grandmaster takes when Thor has his, his temper tantrum, which is, Oh, look at this. He's threatening me. Yeah. That's cute. <laughs> hey, Sparkles. Hey, Sparkles. Um, so he, of course, gets thrown into the contest of champions. And uh, this is where we meet our boy. This is the oh. one. Ah, uh, great, e- Pac. We love you. Everyone's yeah. favorite. Korg. 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 Now, Korg does exist in the comics. He does. A Cronin. Meek does Alien. exist in the comics. Meek does exist with both very different in the comics. As it turns out, Meek is very, very, very different. different. Yeah, yeah. Meek and Meek and Ragnarok is this adorable little like knife the, monkey. Yeah. yeah, he he reminds me of the little dog in the Warner Brothers cartoons. Yeah, just with two blades. Yeah, he's and just also the he's a caterpillar. Like, ha ha. Yeah, I know. Just like <laughs> just making his running little, in. Like, yeah, chop chop. <laughs> I'm gonna get you. Yeah. Uh, which is very cute and hilarious and very different than the very way things different. are. Meek's, Meek's story Hulk. in Planet Hulk is a little dark. Yeah, Planet Hulk is a little dark, guys. It's a little dark, just a tiny bit, not this. We're going to talk a little bit more uh, about Planet Hulk uh, in the next couple episodes, but uh, Planet Hulk is not a hilarious story. Turns out, no, not uh, funny. And this is one of the things that I specifically wanted to bring up in this episode is improv. Mm-hmm. There is a lot of improv in Thor Ragnarok. Yes. There is a lot of improv with Korg, especially because Korg is played by Taika Waititi. Yep. And, and when you're the director yeah. and you say something different on set, everybody rolls with it. <laughs> it it's canon now. It's, it's real. Yeah. Uh, according to various interviews that I watched and articles that I read, as much as 
as much as 80% of the dialogue in Thor Ragnarok is improvised. Oh God, that's precious. If so, that's precious. As much as. I have to imagine that's that's been taken a little bit out of context and it has sure. to be something like probably 80% of dialogue in certain scenes or in certain areas. I can't imagine in a movie where there are this many you know, you got a lot of special effects shots. You've got a lot of yeah. digital things going on. And a lot of plotty bits. That a are lot of plotty important bits. Important to work. You can't just like, you can't wing that. No, exactly. that stuff yeah. has to be handed off to visual effects with enough time for them to finish it. Yeah. Uh, which can take months and months and months. So improvising and then especially taking multiple takes of a scene that has been improvised and reworking them over and over in the edit bay, which is done with a lot of comedies yeah. uh, and a lot of sort of uh, uh, character-based dramas that are that are heavy in improv. It's not the sort of thing you can do because if you rework an entire scene and the shots are all different, the spaceships don't fly by right. <laughs> yeah, if a spaceship suddenly moves through your two people snarking at each other, that feels a little weird. Yeah, all of a sudden, ain't no spaceship for that shot and yeah. you need the spaceship. You um, need the spaceships. But they did talk about, uh, Taika Waititi was like, look, I would just sit off camera and I would scream at people, uh, okay, now say this line. Try this and see what happens. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which is something, that's a very Judd Apatow, it's a very like sort of new wave comedy way to make a movie. Yeah, and they would like, sometimes they would do the the prescribed script as it was written and then do endless takes of just like, well, now just go... Just fuck around. Yeah, Let's just ex- fuck around with this. Yeah. Exactly the way the way stuff like that usually works is you get your you get your one or yeah, your, your two cut. Yeah, and then you're like, okay, now go for a lap. Take a lap. Let's see what happens when you try this. Let's see what happens when you try this. And Taika Waititi was like, I don't care. I'll sit off. I'll give Anthony Hopkins a line read. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he'll do that. He's like, I'll give and- I'll give Sir Anthony Hopkins a line read. Fine. Yeah. Now do this and see how it feels. <laughs> dance, monkey, dance. No, say it this way, Hopkins. <laughs> I love it because it's so it's against the classical rule of directing. Yeah. Um, which I think really came about uh, because actors became movie stars and they became people with sort of not the most power, but a lot of on set power in movies. Sure, Absolutely. And it became this thing where it's like you don't give a line read to an actor. Yeah. Especially an actor. An one of the actor big, you know, yeah. You don't tell an actor how to read a line. It's insulting. You're taking their creativity and their work out of the process, which I understand. Right. Yeah, absolutely. When your job is to figure out how a person would na- would most naturally and emotionally say a line in a particular instance, and somebody goes, no, they would say it exactly like this the way I'm saying it. <laughs> yeah. It's like standing behind the plumber and being like, you know, I jiggled the thing. Yeah. Why didn't you jiggle it? Jiggle Did you it move, now. Move that if you move that bit. And it's like, fuck off, dude. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but there is something interesting in in particularly kind of new comedies where like Judd Apatow does this all the time where he's like, now try saying this. Yeah. And you just, all of a sudden it takes the scene in a completely different direction. And who knows, you find something really, really amazing out of it. Well, right. And the great thing about, um, I think, trusting a director like either Judd or Taika is that they are uh, excellent writers and comedians in their own selves. So they're not just there for kind of the visual spacing of a shot or the the narrative construction, but they're, I mean, they have the skills to make that work. Yeah. Uh, One of the things that I loved is he told the actors, he's like, don't worry. He's like, I am here. I will protect you. I'm going to make you look good in the edit. Just do all the things, do all these crazy things that I'm suggesting. Absurdity. Yeah. And I promise when I cut it together, I'm going to make you look amazing. And they they trusted him and it, and it came yeah. out really, really unbelievably well. I think um, it shows how much trust is essential in the making of a film, which is a massive ecosystem. Um, yes. On par with very few other operations that people are aware of. Well, and particularly with Marvel, right? Which famously in phase one and two of their movies, uh, they have the committee, right? Yeah. The uh, which is called uh, Parliament now. <laughs> oh, okay. They That's not it, a creepy. <laughs> it's not creepy. Parliament. Kevin Feige yeah. said that it's called the Parliament. Star uh, Chamber. Yeah, it's called the Shadowy Triumvirate. Sure, sure, fair, fair enough. Yeah. And all directors must stand in front of the Shadowy Triumvirate eventually. <laughs> yeah, they must be flensed by truth. Uh, and in the center of the Triumvirate's chamber is, of course, the the Great Mirror. Yeah, the great mirror. Yeah, you will have your soul bared and your yeah. sins laid. All directors must stare into the great mirror. 
And if they are found wanting, Mm -hmm. uh, they will be devoured alive and probably replaced with Peyton Reed. Um, Or or their own doppelganger. (laughs) Yep. Um, But if they don't have time to grow a doppelganger, definitely Peyton (laughs) Reed. Definitely Peyton Reed. Definitely Peyton Reed. (laughs) Oh, Edgar. Um, which I have a I have a deep love for Peyton Reed and have should. for a very long time. This is not a Peyton I, I Reed would, podcast. I would cheerlead him. You see what I did? There you go. I, I do, do see that. what he, the, I have loved Peyton Reed ever since uh, after he did Bring It On. Mm-hmm. He was supposed to do way back before there was a Marvel Studios. He was going to do a Fantastic Four movie. That's right. That's right. And his Fantastic Four movie, because there was no Marvel Universe. And this will all connect to the idea of the parliament in just a moment. Um, there was no Marvel Universe. His idea was, oh no, it's the 60s. It's the Fantastic Four. It's Hard Day's Night. We are following the Fantastic Four around with a documentary crew on the day <laughs> Galactus attacks. Oh my God. Yeah, okay. That is so good. I'm good. I'm good with that. That is so good. Uh, Uh, He eventually took his idea for making a very 60s period piece and made Down With Love, which is a great movie. Oh, Uh, yeah. That kind of, uh, it's a Rock Hudson, Doris Day thing, but with Ewan McGregor and Renee Zellweger. Yeah, that is pretty good. And it takes a lot of- He's very charming. Yeah, and it takes a lot of like our modern ideas of rom-coms and obviously like feminism and equality and puts them into a Rock Hudson, Doris Day movie. Yeah where like the lady was there to wait by the phone <laughs> and like worry what was going to happen, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um. But anyway, so the idea of parliament is you bring these ideas before parliament, right? And parliament's job is to look at that movie and go, you can't do it in the sixties. The fantastic four have to exist today because we've introduced these concepts and this is what has to happen in the next three movies that we're making. So make sure that everything sticks with these films. Sure. Right, so uh, Star Wars does that too. They have the story group, which is like, hey, just so you know, if you're going to put this spaceship into into your Star Wars movie, you really can't because right now, that spaceship is over here. Yeah, so why don't you use this one, which was mentioned here and works. Yeah, exactly. So like, yeah, you, you probably came up against that when you were writing the Aftermath novels where it was like, well, at this particular moment in time, you can't put this character here for reasons. Yes, yeah. So, Sometimes the reasons were shadowy. Yeah. They were just for, like, reasons, wink, wink. Yeah, Other yeah. times it was a clear uh, issue, yeah. Yeah, so it's their job to keep everything uh, a, a holistic and well-running machine. The problem is, and, and a lot of people found this in the first two phases of the Marvel films, sometimes that made the movies feel a little same-samey. yeah. Yeah, similar patterns, kind of a uh, almost a hero's journey, kind of a you know writ across of it. Yeah, and they weren't allowed to take big swings with uh, with tone or moments. It's like don't get too silly because we need this character to show up in this next movie and be sad or whatever. You know, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Like that's not, I don't know exactly what the decisions were, but the idea <laughs> is I assume that's exactly how they said it. Yeah, Anthony. this character yeah. can't be happy because sad. Because sad coming. Uh, and then Edgar Wright quit. Yeah, and uh, it was it was a bummer. Uh, so, like, the thing that's really amazing to me about Thor Ragnarok is you can see, especially after Guardians of the Galaxy, the relaxation of Parliament. Yep, and the giving of autonomy to these directors because I think you get to a point where you're like, you know, talking about the original Thor. Why on earth did we hire Kenneth Branagh? <laughs> Yeah. To essentially make him make this very blueprint Marvel movie. Yeah, a very quote unquote self important Thor movie, like very lofty and. Eh. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Like, why not? If he wants to do weird Shakespearean space shit, yeah. he should have, that should have been the Kenneth Branagh Thor, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think they realized, like, oh, we've got to give these directors, if we really trust them, we've got to let them be who they are. That's why we're hiring them. One, what's great is that has ripples kind of in the other direction too. Um, you know, as I understand it for Infinity War, Thor gets a whole different, you know, cut of of his jib, so to speak, in in uh, Infinity War. He was apparently a much more dour, dire 
Thor, the one we knew, kind of that Shakespearean lofty, you know, guy. But then the Taika edit of Thor, that sort of revamp of who he was, which is a little more funny, a little looser, shows up in Infinity War. He still gets to be, he still gets to have sad, mm-hmm. but you know what I mean? He still gets to have the vengeance oh, and all the stuff sad. that he feels, but he's still totally like, now he's like, he's that unaware, lunk-headed god who has no sense of uh, self-awareness, yeah. which is awesome, which is exactly what we want from Ragnarok. And he, yeah, the the scene with him and Rocket together yeah. and yeah. Quill is just kind yeah. of like, it has that same dynamic of the Doctor Strange scene that we love so much. Yes. Uh, and that it, it just, seeing him with the Guardians previously still would have been hilarious because now it would have been. perfect. Yeah. yeah, it still, it would have been like super straight man with the Guardians. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. now it works because he he can mix it up with them in a very different way, and it makes the whole thing a little bit more dynamic. Yes. Um, so now we get to Taika Waititi as Korg. As Korg. Uh, Taika uh. said that he based Korg's character on Polynesian bouncers at bars and clubs. <laughs> I, lo- I love this. <laughs> this <laughs> good. These very like these are these you know genetically big guys. These are the naturally yeah. huge, imposing guys. Yeah. Who are, have just like the lightest, friendliest souls. I wonder if that's a bouncer thing though. Cause every bouncer I've ever known is usually like a hulking monster sized person, but oddly very gentle. I mean, able to mix it up, mm-hmm. but like not aggressive. Cause they can't be, you can't be a bouncer and be like, well, I'm just going to start wading into this crowd and throwing some fists. You have, you know what I mean? You just have to sit there and be kind of calm and chill about stuff. You can't add to the aggression. So yeah, th- that totally tracks. Yeah, he he gave this idea of like he, he in this interview he did this like impression of one where it's just like, oh hey, sorry guys, yeah, it's just it's just full. We can't let you. Uh, sorry, I wish we could <laughs> let you in anyway. You're just gonna, I guess you're just gonna have to clear out. All right, like. <laughs> <laughs> but just, that's also just like a New Zealand thing, right? Like New Zealand's everybody from New Zealand seems incredibly polite. Yeah, yeah, nice. just, just like nicest cookies. Yeah, this very like. Okay, we're not we're not going to be confrontational until we yeah. have to be confrontational, right? Uh, and then we're fucking confrontational. And then, then it's then it's up. Then it's from zero to eleven. Um, Korg's introduction is absolutely hilarious. Mm-hmm. Like as a guide through what is going on here. Yeah, yeah. Um, just absolutely silly. <laughs> uh, oh, hey, no, I'm actually a thing. I'm a living yeah. being. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, his idea of he was thrown in for starting a revolution. I know, but he didn't print up enough pamphlets. <laughs> Only his mom and her boyfriend showed up. And, uh, he, and he hates her boyfriend. Hates like, the boyfriend. Yeah. Like this very specific dig. Yeah. Like this very specific thing that gives us this picture of Korg as like a, a, a teenager with a lot a of political teen- ideas. <laughs> yeah, still, still. Currently, that, yeah. You know, just like this, maybe Korg is like this 20-something poli-sci major who lives at home and rails about what's going on in the world. He's got strong but polite feelings about uh, politics and his mom's boyfriend. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Uh, The rock, paper, scissor joke? Oh, God. Yeah. So good. You don't need to be afraid unless you're made of scissors. Just a little rock, paper, scissor joke for you. I love it. (laughs) And And then then the the introduction to me. This is my very good friend over here, Meek. He's an insect and has knives for hands. Literally the only character beat for him that will ever matter, except maybe what happens at the end. That's it. He's an insect. That's I want to put that like on my like bio for all my books. Like it's Chuck Wendig is an author. He is an insect and has knives for hands and nothing else. It's That's so it. good. There's something I mean, business cards. It's everything. It's so good about like. Saying it makes it fine. You know what I mean? Just right. Exactly. It's just time works different. It's a car and he's an insect and has not. Afraid. Yeah. Like, sure. Wait a minute. Oh, I'm a, no, I'm like a rock. I'm like a living rock. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's an insect cool. with knives for hands. Great. Great. I'm on this bus now. I'm on. The whole thing is a circle, but not like a real circle, like, well, a, like freaky a freaky circle. circle, a freaky circle, freaky circle, like a freaky circle. Yeah. Like, and now it's, it's the witch Batmobile gag. <laughs> it really is. It's the it witch really Batmobile is. gag. Yeah. It's a freaky circle. This guy yeah. has knives for hands. It's all fine, dude. We're moving yeah. forward. Yeah, we are going <laughs> ahead. I hope you're with us. Um, uh, and then the idea that uh, 
The idea that Thor reminds him of Doug, who apparently Doug. tried to defeat the champion before. Doug's right there. Yeah. He's right there. And he's just fucking dead. I love that. See you later, new Doug. See you later, new Doug. <laughs> <laughs> this idea of just like, okay, man, I wish you all the best. Yep. Um, but I do love setting up also, hey, I'm a giant living rock. Hey, that's an insect with knives for hands. Nobody yeah. beats the champion. Yeah, nobody beats the champion. Just true facts. This is true it. Facts. But, and, and there's a nice little visual touch where, um, you know, he talks about the champion beating everybody and people being perishable. And he's like, what about you? You're made of rocks. And he's like, well, perishable rocks. And then just a pebble just falls off of him. Just, yeah. Just right there. That's like, just to prove it, just in case you didn't think he could be, you know, hurt. A, a rock just falls right the fuck off of him. God, can you, uh, and knowing that a bunch of this was probably improv, uh, like probably improv just makes me yep. like, I want to see every single bit of raw footage from uh, this scene. Yeah. I would watch eight hours of that, Anthony. I want to see every, I am such a huge, I love, I love improv so much. I am such, I'm one of those people. I am like an improv nerd. I know that like watching the takes of them trying to get to this place is probably kind of clumsy and slow and weird. But that's what's great. But I just want to see it. That's the thing. I want to see it. It's like, yeah. man, I'll tell you what, my, my wife just will, does, does not want to go to improv shows with me. Like, no. if, if it's, if it's my improv show and like, I let her know it's a, it's an important one. What's the sure, difference? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. What's the difference? They're all improv shows. <laughs> They're all improv. It's, okay. Oh, yeah. this is the important improv show. There's no such thing. There never has been, <laughs> but like, she'll come. But yeah. her thing is like, I don't want to watch them come up with the thing. I want them to come up with the thing, go back, write it up. And Make then the best and then yeah. perform it for me. Right. She's like, I don't want to see the writer's room at SNL. I want to see SNL. <laughs> see, I, I want to see the writer's room. I want to actually literally watch sausage being made. That's me. That's me too. Yeah. I want to see all the weird takes, all the things they tried to say, but like just were too silly or made them break too much. Yeah. All the stuff that didn't work, how they exactly found, because the final scene has, does have so much economy of dialogue. Really? Um, you get everything you need to know about the tournament, about what's going on, about the origin of these people, but it's so hilarious and it's so quick. So quick. I just want to see how they came up with it. That's all. Yes. That's all. Yeah. Yep. I love it. Um, then, uh, after See You Later, New Doug, we are- We're back. 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 We're back on the, Asgard. The goddess of death herself. Um, now this is such a visually wonderful moment. They do a lot of great things with, uh, with art and art history. Yeah. And it's a classic, um, you know, a great example of using exposition in a really creative way. Cause you got to do it. There's that whole thing of like, show, don't tell you can't do exposition. There's a lot of bad writing rules about that, but sometimes you just have to tell shit and then you do it in a way like this, where she's demonstrating this narrative uh, both with aggression and action, and then the art on the walls, or, or I should say on the ceiling. Yeah, these frescoes are absolutely amazing, and they're these beautiful frescoes of things that we've seen, past oh, yeah. things. Um, it's, the, and it's very sort of Christian iconography with their like sort of gently moving halos. Yeah, peaceful the way they added wonderful. motion to it, this is an effect that a lot of, I've seen a lot of movies and TV and just try to do this, make the moving fresco, the living art, uh, and it's tough to pull off without it looking kind of cheesy and bad. This is great because it's minimal. It's like a real light touch. Actually, I don't think I noticed it the first time I saw it. It wasn't until I actually had it at home that I was like, oh my God, this shit's all moving a little bit. Yeah. the, uh, the Either that or I'm just tripping balls from yard mushrooms. Uh, what they put in these smoothies? It's all charcoal <laughs> and psilocybin. Yeah. Delivered to your door. <laughs> Delivered. Yeah, I have I a coupon code if anybody wants this charcoal <laughs> yeah. and psilocybin smoothie Good. service. <laughs> Get that group on right now. Um, you got to text a guy. It is not yeah. a website, but you text no. him the coupon code and that you're cool. And yeah, he'll- Really cool. Yeah, yeah he'll, he'll come by. Uh, but the, <laughs> the frescoes get tossed away. They get broken. Yep, uh, magical swords or infinite swords. More infinite daggers. And then we see the real history of Asgard, which- uh, which is just a great way, like we were talking about uh, earlier with Odin. It's a great way for people who love Norse mythology 
to get their reconciliation with yeah. what's been going on in the Marvel movies. Yeah, you're like, there it is. There's what I know. And of course, you got Odin too with uh, her her crazy antlers, golden versions, but he's there. He's there. He's got the the big horns, the big spiky head. Um, so she shows the the true thing. Um, then she goes she shows. Oh, and the big thing for me shows her with Mjolnir. Yep. She was yeah. the original wielder of Mjolnir. She was the worthy yeah. one. In she Odin's was the worthy one. Uh, it's such a it's such a sick burn when you really think about it. For for like Thor who. And there's a joke about this coming up. Thor, who puts so much of himself in and around Mjolnir and how much he values it. Uh, and it's what it's just not even his. It's a it's a fucking hand me down. Fucking hand me down. It's a it's a version 2.0. They yeah. they basically added two step authentication to Mjolnir. <laughs> like, that's it. It was yep. like, that's it. Yeah, I love the idea of, OK, obviously, Mjolnir was created by Odin or for Odin by someone. Right. Like, yeah. which we learn later on. Um, it was a it was a Dinklage. It was a Dinklage. <laughs> it was a Dinklage. It was it was space Dinklage. Space Dinklage. Um, which is his is his name actually Brom or what? Like, what do they do? They know. give him one of the know. actual names. Probably, but <laughs> doesn't it's matter. Just Dinklage. Does, space Dinklage. Space Dinklage did it, and uh, obviously there were two ideas of what was worthy and what was good in the eyes of Odin. Right. That's yeah. what I love. Is yep. There was a recalibration of Mjolnir to be like, oh, no, this is what we consider good now, Mjolnir. Yep. <laughs> Let me uh, retrain this AI a little bit. Yeah, it's exactly. You like you just gave it some new programming, some new if-then statements, yeah. and now it's Thor. No splatting of heads unless needed, Mjolnir. Yeah. Um, it's like it's like weird Twitter rules. You, you're, you've just got new Twitter rules now. And yeah, it's just— Thor's, I, Thor's the, the guy. It's fine. It's more about specific words than the context they're used in. <laughs> right. Oh, Mjolnir. Twitter. Um, and Jack, uh, Jack. (laughs) so we see the real as hell Odin, uh, and then we go into the trophy room. Oh, the trophy room, which I love. He's got a a special Um, trophy there, doesn't he? Because the first thing she knocks off infinity gauntlet and she knocks it off and goes fake, fake. But again, it's that touchstone to Thanos's story that makes me really want that whole like turns out Thanos is moon eyed for Hela. I just wanted that so bad, especially right here. I'm like, that would be why she knows that it's fake because she knows where the real one is and she's waiting for it to impress her. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, I know this guy, this fucking guy. Um, Clong done. But what's, uh, so this adds a bit of a, a bit of a continuity issue. If you, if you think on it, which, I didn't the first 80 times because Thor Ragnarok mm-hmm. fucking rules and I won't hear anything rules. bad about it. Rules. Yep. Even a continuity error is is the best. It's the best continuity best error. Continuity. Oh, yeah. I love that continuity error. Nobody so ruins continuity like Thor Ragnarok. But <laughs> uh the idea is I I think the idea is that the gauntlet wasn't created yet at this point. Oh, because Thor is eventually. Oh, they need it from Space Dinklage. Thor is eventually going to go to Space Dinklage and be like, "Space Dinklage, what the fuck happened to your cool, to your cool Space Dinklage area?" Yeah, <laughs> you know where you set though, up all your or, Space Dinklage things. Though, do they have like a? Uh, isn't there a vague indication that there's a, a almost a blueprint for the Infinity Gauntlet, or is that something he made up for Thanos specifically? I believe he. It was something Thanos made him create is the way it was explained. Like it wasn't a blueprint yet. Like, yeah. like the existence of the stones was known, but there is no gauntlet. Right. So this becomes kind of like, Oh, a, oh yeah. Well, you know what? Here, here's how I explain it. Time moves different on Sakaar. And no, we're not on Sakaar, but who cares? It doesn't matter, dude. Time moves differently. Maybe that happened before this, even though this is before that. Yeah. Right. It's fine. And it's funny. And I like it. Just get some charcoal and psilocybin and some enamel pins in you, and it all makes sense. <laughs> Just wash the script through a charcoal yeah. filter. And it's done. Um, you don't crack open. If the charcoal comes out of your Brita, you throw the water away, and you get yeah. a new Brita filter. That's like— You don't eat that. You, you don't, don't eat, eat it, guys. You, you could, like—it's a pumice. You could probably, like, you know, get calluses off your feet with that Sure. Stuff. Sure. Fine. I guess I'm Don't eat it. I guess I'm Mennonite now, right? I'm churning yeah. butter and I'm using my own pumice. Yeah. No. Sure. Throw no. it away. Don't 
Don't eat charcoal. Get a new piece of plastic from Amazon Jeez. is my answer God for damn. everything. Right. Uh, the other thing I love is the uh, the weak to Surter's head and the interesting yeah. Yeah. to the Tesseract. Yeah. Hey, interesting. <laughs> Moving on. Um, but she's bad. looking for something specific, obviously. Yep. Uh, and then she makes, this is what I love. She makes a pickaxe, Chuck. She just does that and never again. She never right? again. And just she could just do that. She could just pickaxe it up. But I love it because it's like, hey, anything pointy, just so you know, yep. that's the yep. rule. Anything pointy. 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 <laughs> she is the queen of pointy. She's the queen of pointy things. <laughs> and and death. And also death. Uh and uh, she swan she does with her pickaxe, she does this giant hole in the ground and does this fucking uh, beautiful swan dive into blackness. Just a, and it's almost like a lazy, like, oh, I'm falling. Oh, look at me. Oh, I meant to do that, suckers. Yeah, it looks very much, it's got a Cirque du Soleil sort of like yeah. off the trapeze quality to it. Yeah, there's like a ribbon. And what I love is like, it shows, there's a lot of theatricality in Hella, obviously, but it does show that she's having a lot of fun. Yeah, it feels like she's back, right? Like, I'm back. This is good. Uh, and of course, uh, speaking of that, you probably noticed in every consecutive time we have seen Hella. She does look uh, healthier, less veiny. Yeah. Uh, yep. She's she's yeah. Very early on, like her shoulders look real, like modeled with with sinister, malevolent veins. Yeah, but the uh, the proximity to Asgard and to all of her cool shit is making yep. her better. Um, she does the standard hero landing, which we got to talk about the standard hero landing, Chuck. Yeah, yeah, we do. It, it's time. It's. That's not the way knees work. I don't care how many nope. superpower you have. No. At least Deadpool, you know, spoke some truth to power on that. Oh, that's true. They did do that in Deadpool. Thank God. Yeah. Thank, yeah hey. Thank God someone did. Thank God for Deadpool. Thank God Am for I Deadpool. Am I right? You know what? I like that he's vulgar. It's interesting. Whoa. Whoa, Chuck. I'm not making any point. Whoa. I just like that about him. I just think that's interesting that he's very profane. Like it's, I'm like for it. He makes his points in these sort of over-the-top, vulgar, funny Over ways. Over-the-top, hyperbolic vulgarity. But we know uh, but we know because we understand context that these things are over-the-top for, over for the reason of comedy. Right. And so we don't, uh, we don't look at them as serious statements or attacks. Exactly. I mean, and that's apropos of nothing except that I like that. Marvel character, right, Deadpool? Marvel character. Uh, yeah, he's Mar- I'm pretty sure he's Marvel. Marvel that's comic? Checked. Right, Marvel comic. Huh. Yeah, Marvel comic. That's interesting. Mm. Uh, (laughs) Thor Ragnarok only Thor Ragnarok it's only Thor Ragnarok this is where we meet one of my favorite creatures and figures in Norse Mm. mythology Fenris the wolf Fenris the wolf ah yep Uh, in the in Norse mythology Fenris the wolf and and Hela brother and sister yeah moon eater moon eater which don't you call him that to his face no, no, God, no, I wouldn't. don't call him anything to his face. Uh, one thing that I do want to talk about for in terms of, hey, I'm not parliament, but maybe I'm playing armchair parliament here. Right. Can we talk about the implications of Odin having a flame that raises the dead for the yeah. Marvel Universe and stories yeah, just, in general? Stories in general, yeah. Especially since the Marvel Universe has occasionally gone into the uh, sudden zombie uh, apocalypse uh, tale. Like they do that quite often with their... Um, you know, Marvel zombie stuff. Yeah, it's, uh, it seems like seems like the kind of thing that you don't want to introduce lightly into a no. cinematic universe, a flame no. that raises the dead. A flame that raises the dead. Yeah, sometimes things are squirmy when you introduce <laughs> <laughs> super powerful ideas. Um, but luckily, uh, luckily, it's going to get blown to bits, I guess. Yeah. So that's yeah. fine. Um, I do like when we go back to Sakar here. I mean, we now have we now have Hela's army of the dead and Fenris, yep. and she's super powerful. I mean, we we keep mentioning it, but they do such a great job of making Hela feel like a powerful and imposing villain in a way that Marvel is just now getting used to in the movies. Yeah. She has texture. She has character. She has power. Uh, well demonstrated. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just adore her. This is one of those things where, in the early Batman movies, when they just were like killing all the Batman villains. 
<laughs> right, right. Just, yeah, left and right, Batman murdered. They were just like murdering all the Batman villains. And I remember they got to like, they got to Batman forever and it was Riddler and Two-Face. And I remember a lot of articles around it were just like, yo, they're running out of Batman villains. Yeah, quickly. Yeah. Yo, we're going to get to Batman 5 and it's going to be Calendar Man and the Clock King and that's not going to be okay. Isn't there a Condiment King too? Isn't he like the ketchup and mustard guy? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There yeah. is, there is Don't absolutely forget that. Don't forget him. King. He's still there. There's, there's a lot of- and in, current, and in current Batman run, there's Kite Man. Oh, but like- Okay, yeah. this is only about Thor Ragnarok. Only about, yeah. But can we talk about Tom King? He's doing the best thing. Our Lord and Savior, Tom King, mm. who on his Batman run somehow made me care so much about a character called the Kite, kite Man. The Kite the Man. Kite Man. Kite oh. Man. He goes from a joke, a running joke, to an absurd joke, to a real character. To a real character. A real character where you're just like, shit, Kite Man rules. <laughs> Kite Man rules. Hell yeah. There was a, there was a thing with uh, DC years ago too called Underground where it was like the literal devil was coming for DC. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it didn't have ties to like Raven and all Yeah, it tied to like a lot of yeah, stuff. Yeah. But one of the things that I really love about it was the hero of Underground was the trickster. James Jesse. Oh, yeah. And they did a that great works. job yeah. of turning the trickster into this like cool, sympathetic con man that you were like, oh, yeah. the trickster kind of rules. Yeah, the trickster kind of rules. I love, but that's what I love uh, when they do that about, um, you know, Batman villains mm-hmm. or, or Flash villains where they turn them sort of into these kind of sad sack guys. They're not just like sinister grandstanding villains, but they're like guys who need shit and want shit. Yeah. And or maybe, you know, fall prey to that sort of expectation of the criminal life. And it's it's great. It's so good. It, it is fun to watch. I mean, uh, Alan Moore is obviously the guy who's sort of known as the uh, Al- Alan Moore and uh, Grant Morrison are oh, Grant, are yeah. sort of known as the two guys who are, are the sort of kings and godfathers of this idea of taking all the silly things in a mythology yeah. And being like, no, 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 there, there's a cool, awesome reason for these things to exist, and I'm going to find it and make you believe in it. <laughs> do I do I have it correct that those two are engaged in some sort of wizard battle? And I mean this kind of literally. Uh, like, aren't they supposed to be in some sort of... I think so. Like, I think you, magical showdown? I mean, I really mean this. It sounds like I'm making a joke, but I... I, I think occasionally I think you, can, actually, see, you yeah. can see, like, some colored lightning over the skies of Scotland. <laughs> Yeah, and that is definitely the two of them duking it out in a sort of like Merlin and Morgan Le Fay sort of way. I think. Yeah. I th- no. I think it is this bat. I think it is a battle of imagination. Like no. Okay. Here it is. No. Seriously, Alan Moore and Grant Morrison, a cult war for twenty five years. What? This is, the, is. I'm not. This is not a joke. Wait. I am not riffing on this. I thought, this no, is a real thing. No. No. You got to look this up. I swear. All to right. God. Lay it on. Me. This is a thing. Yeah. I, I, all they know is they, they, they are both uh, occult practitioners who f- believe that they have different schools of magic and they have been engaged in sort of a narrative magical rivalry for the breadth and depth of their career. Okay. Yeah. This is not, the article you're reading is not a bit, but no. <laughs> I wholeheartedly believe this is a bit that the two of this them- This is a bit somewhere, yeah. yeah. The bi- a bit that the two of them are like egging us on with. They are definitely I trying so. to make us believe that they believe this. But I also kind of hope that they have magical powers. God, <laughs> that they're really that there's really some weird sort of Gandalf kind of business going on. I like to think that like when they're when they're alone and they're in one of these battles, it is kind of like a a Merlin and Morgan Le Fay sort of thing where they're just yes. turning into different animals, and whoever runs out of imagination first, right, loses. Is done for. Is done for. Ugh. Anyway, Kite Man oh. is dope. Yeah. <laughs> The original run of Animal Man is dope. Oh, so dope. Oh, <laughs> Be so sure dope. to read Animal so Man. So strange. Yeah, The Invisibles. Grant Morrison's The Invisibles, please. Doom Patrol fucking rules. Oh, Doom Patrol. And this oh, podcast yeah. is only about Thor only Ragnarok. Only about Thor Ragnarok, which is all that we can talk about. Uh, so we're back on Sakaar, and I love this moment of Thor praying for Odin. I know. It's a nice, it's a, another nice little moment of that character, son, father business we've got going on. Um. 
and obviously Loki shows up. Loki not praying for Odin. (laughs) But he does does help him finish it, doesn't he? Doesn't he speak over him a little bit at the end and sort of, no, he's not praying for him at the end. He he knows it. He does. Thor gets a little overwhelmed, yeah. And and Loki helps him finish. Um, The... uh, the quick rock toss to just no, to just be like you're not really here. Hawk. He's like, of course yeah. I'm not really Hawk. here. Yeah, <laughs> look at where you are. It's it's disgusting. I wasn't coming down here. Um, Loki's ability to and and initially, I'm sure this is an ability that he used knowingly and consciously, but like all sort of people who are pathological liars, uh, people who. Uh, are kind of con artists, people who are very good at rationalization. It becomes yeah. it becomes their nature. And it becomes the way Loki explains past events here, you can tell he genuinely believes it. Yeah, he has sold himself on this narrative. Yeah, he believes that it was it was all him trying to do what was good. Yeah. Um and the way he like ends it with like, I guess I'll just have to go it alone. Like I've always done. Like I always do. And I also love that his entire plan is just as a classic Loki, like we're going to ingratiate ourselves with him and then eventually we're going to possibly kill him and take over. Uh, It's like totally not a Thor plan. Thor would not be. No. uh, At what point in their lives has Thor ever agreed to a plan like this? Yeah, sinister, twisty, trickery plan. But I love the, uh, he he knows that Thor doesn't want to like, go into like the the dirty details of it. And he's like, he feels a little above the dirty details of it too. And I love the yeah. little like you, me, up, silent thing that he does. Yeah. You know, maybe- right. Little gestures. Maybe there's huh? an accident. I don't know. And then- What, nit, nit, what about nit. it? <laughs> yeah. Then we take over. Um. Hey, do you know what the best fucking line in Thor Ragnarok is, Chuck? Let's hear it. Piss off, ghost. Piss off, ghost. Piss off, ghost. He comes up- Kicks the wall. And then Meek comes in and he's just doing his thing in the background yeah. again. Swish, swish, <laughs> swish. Yeah. Ah. Uh, he's gone. The piss off ghost thing. Piss off ghost. We say that a lot in our house. I and we have a seven-year-old, so I mean that's he's just gonna have to he's just gonna, be okay. He's with just that. gonna have to be somebody who says piss off ghost. Piss off ghost, yeah. Um we say it a lot at the office too. We say piss off should. ghost. Uh, and the other As thing is we should. say, Can like, I, hey, we got this, we got this big ship. <laughs> yeah, hey man. This big ship. Hey man. Hey man. No, let me, let me, I will tell you a brief story as it is almost Halloween mm-hmm. uh, and maybe Halloween past now that this show is airing. Uh, but <laughs> a few years ago, uh, two years ago when we had our, actually at this point, yeah, two years ago, uh, our son was five and uh, it was his, one of his first like real Halloweens out in the world, uh, you know, doing the whole thing. And where we go is like a, just a, a normal town. It's not a development. So there's people like with literal fire in the streets. It's a, it's a pretty, it's a big trip. And uh, so one of the houses was one of those. Yeah, was it was like a classically scary house, like all the fog rolling off and the the parents or the people who own this house are dressed as like straight up vampire monsters. They are not like, hey, kids, we're lovely and friendly here. Come up here. So uh, I'm pretty sure that my child will not want to go to this house. Uh, The the price of candy is just it's the reward is too low for this, especially for a fun Uh, size. Yeah, for a fun size. Come on off. He doesn't he doesn't want to get murdered up there for a tiny Snickers. So uh, we were like, you know, we don't have to go up there and whatever to be fine. And uh, he's like, no, I'm good. I'm not scared. And then he said the greatest line of his own personal life. And I, I, I remind him of this just as sort of an attitude to possess whenever he, he meets trials and tribulations. He said, poop yourselves, witches and skeletons. Hell yes. Poop That's yourselves, rem- witches poop and skeletons. Yourself. I would never. For- I'm like, that is the. I feel empowered by that every day I have conflict in my life that is definitely a mantra that you can whisper to yourself at any given moment i feel like yeah yeah any moment of fear now any moment poop yourself yeah, off ghost and then poop yourselves witches and skeletons oh i love that man i'll right? tell you i have never i have never lived in a neighborhood that takes halloween as seriously as i would like it to oh yeah i've never been in a neighborhood where like nobody does that much Anywhere I've ever lived. Yeah. And I've always wanted that. I've always wished that there was at least one house that would do it. Yeah, some Halloween town. Yeah. Yeah. There was one guy, I remember, in my neighborhood when I was like eight years old, where like walking up to his house, he was like one of the first dudes to have like the motion activated animatronics. 
Oh, yeah. So like little things would start moving. We're like, oh, no. And then we got up to his front door and there was like a slow, like dry ice, like fog and stuff. And right. His yeah. door wasn't there. It was like a dark curtain. And he jumped yeah. out and he was a vampire. And he was like, ah. And we were like, ah. <laughs> and I remember believing so much that this was going to be the house that was like actually a haunted house. Yeah. I was like, what else is there? Like, that's the this first thing I said. Yeah. I want more. I want more. And he looked at me and he looked so like deflated. He was yeah. like, no, that's, that, that's it. <laughs> Rides over. And I was like, oh, okay. And it was only after I walked away that I realized that I had like totally made fun of this adult's work that he had like done all this, yeah. like put all this effort into, but I didn't mean to, I was just no. so impressed that I was hoping yeah. there was more and it came out in just the worst way. It was like a compliment. Poorly yeah, done. it was the most poorly done compliment. <laughs> yeah. And I remember like, he just sort of handed me a candy bar and kind of like his little vampire <laughs> shoulders kind of slumped a little bit. I'm um, surprised you didn't see him spitting out his fangs. Yeah, afterwards. take him out. He's like, that's it. I'm, he spits out his vampire fangs. That's it. I'm going back to law school. You know, like. <laughs> <laughs> you changed that guy's life. Um, Ruined so it. So anyway, if that guy's listening, because uh, we're, we are number one on the short form Thor Ragnarok fan cast vertical. Oh, um, so precious. So precious. If you're listening, buddy, sorry about that. Uh, so then we uh, we get the we're getting ready for the contest of champions. Now we're in like the we're in sort of the weapons locker. Yeah, which uh, is very interesting because it shares a barrier with basically like a nightclub and bar. <laughs> yeah, like the the bar, the tavern, the adventurers tavern here on Sakaar, which which I love because it's kind of the audience gets to see the gladiators preparing in this really weird. Oh, I didn't even think about that. That's a, that's exactly what it is, isn't it? It's like you're in the fishbowl. Yeah. They, they get to watch you get ready to die and have a drink oh, while they amazing. do it. It's that's so good. You get like Sakar is, it's really shown to us through the eyes of the people who live on Sakar and through the, the grand master. But like, yeah. there are these little reminders that it's just like a horrible death sport. This is a terrible place. Sakaar yeah. is a terrible place. Yeah, that's a dead guy. That's a dead you guy. You get like, a, yeah, you get a little bit of a reminder of it. Uh, I do like Korg's like, as as sort of the club manager uh, yeah. for all these guys, the team manager, hey guys. And yeah. equipment manager. He's like, hey, can you guys clean up your weapons? Hey, do you want to, <laughs> hey Thor, do you want to use a big wooden fork? Yeah, and that fork is like a, uh, like a Polynesian Maori fork. Yep, yep. That yeah, was one of those right? tridents, yeah. Um, and then he makes a joke that I feel has to be or should be in my perf- perfect personal world uh, is a reference to what we do in the shadows. <laughs> right? Because he talks about this fork is not really useful unless you're fighting off three vampires who are huddling together. Yes. And you're like, yep. That's, that's it. It's pretty, yep, here's where that's useful. It's useful in his other one of his other movies. It's so good. Um, and then we yeah. get into the whole thing where Thor is talking about his hammer. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, a joke that's kind of linguistically, I think probably people don't always understand. <laughs> yeah. Right. Cause it's clearly like a, it's a, it's a jerk off joke, yeah. but. Oh, it's like, oh, so you, you rode the hammer. No, I didn't ride the hammer. Like, <laughs> so it rides yeah. you. No, nope. no. Nope. Um, I do love the direct speaking of the subtext about the hammer. Yes. They're like, yeah. <laughs> so good. Uh, sounds like you had a pretty personal intimate relationship there. Yeah. And that losing it was almost like losing a part of yourself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then Thor like is like, cause Thor is like a blunt. He is himself a hammer. Yeah. Right. He is a blunt hammer. And he's just like, that's a very nice way. Of yeah. That. He did not. He totally agrees. Yeah, he did not think about it that way. And no. he appreciates that someone else yeah. saw it that way. Cause it let yeah. him know the way he's feeling. Yeah. Thor is nearly all text. Yeah. <laughs> That's the great way to write him. He is no subtext. If there is subtext for him, he is not aware of it and doesn't want to be aware of it. Um, and then we sort of uh, we sort of see someone off to the side there. We see the Valkyrie, mm. Scrapper 142. Uh, yep. we, and at this realization, we hit the 10-minute mark. Oh, boom. This movie. Such a nice movie. It's almost like it's perfect. It's almost like it's perfect, including the continuity errors, which fuck off and don't tell us about the continuity errors. We don't want to hear them. And and don't eat charcoal. Don't eat charcoal. 
listen, if you've ever eaten charcoal, seriously, can you please hit us up on Twitter? Twitter's bad and we're there. Uh, yeah, but yeah. I'm it. at A Carboni. I am at Chuck Winding. You can also email us at grandmaster at ragnatalk.com. Let us know about eating charcoal or how you feel yeah. about continuity errors or Thor and Ragnarok. Don't email us about episode Do two. Do not email us about episode two. Somebody emailed us about episode two, Chuck. Not cool. And I'm all so right. mad. Uh, also, hey, if you, uh, if you like the podcast, leave us a rating on iTunes or whatever. Whatever. Bye.